0: You're listening to the Farmyard Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Farmyard. It's a movement, have you heard? And our Patreon
1: supporters.
0: Episode 29, The Real Inside Garden, with host Linda Borgie and guest Barbara George.
1: Well hello there. How are you today? Linda Borgie here from Farmyard. You're just one seat away. I've got to tell you, you're just one seat away from so many things. It blows my mind. So things are all well here. I have landed eight miles from the Capitol building here in Silver Springs, Maryland. And I'm going to be here for quite some time. I've got quite a lot of work to do. I've done a few Facebook Lives right here from the neighborhood. Everybody's house has 450 square feet from the road to the sidewalk. That's doing nothing. And I have been driving around the neighborhood planting intentions of lettuce in the spring. So I'll give you a blah blah. Blow by blow, and you know, I'm going to have a lot of still shots and videos along with that. Well, today I have a, um, a dear friend on the line, and I just want to give you a little bit of the backstory on how we got connected when I was urban farming in uh, the Hudson Valley of New York State. And I was in Walker Valley, New York, and I was connected. To this woman, someone told me about this woman that had a bed and breakfast inn in Goshen, New York. And she was very interested in working with children. Well, I had a Gardening with Children program. That is definitely my audience. That's what I'm in all of this for, is that group as a category. So I went down and I spoke with her. Her name is Margot. And we just connected. We really, we really just enjoyed each other's company. And one thing led to the next, and it, it, it was, it was really kind of special. And Marco has a daughter by the name of Barbara, and that is the person that I'm going to be. We're going to be uh, speaking with today, Barbara George. And from from then on, Barbara really got connected to the work that I was doing, and has followed me. For the past decade or so, and is currently my coach. She is a wonderful, wonderful uh, business and personal coach, and she has taken on the farmyard Linda Borgie, as of the last uh, last six months or so. So I would like to introduce her to you now. Are you there, Barbara? I am, Linda. It is my esteemed pleasure to join you today. Oh, how much fun is this? Really, Barbara? (laughs) Who who knew that we would be podcasting together? Isn't that a little kooky? It is. It is, but exciting, you know. Very, very exciting. Well, you know, I know you've been uh, a business and personal coach for many, many, many years now. And you specialize in prosperity for over 30 years. My goodness three decades, do you think that there's any correlation between your coaching business and philosophy and your global gardens charity, which we didn't talk about yet? Your, that's really the purpose of this podcast is to get everyone familiar with your global gardens charity.
0: Well, there are uh, definitely, there are strings that tie this all together. And I'll start with, you know, uh, micro and macro. So on the, the small level of planting a seed, uh, you know, anyone who has ever had the experience of doing any growing of any sort, you know, you plant the seed and then the miracle happens. And, uh, it's very much the same with human beings. And so what I do in my particular, uh, discipline and business is I take a look at like, what's the garden that they represent? Who are they? What are they productive in? and uh what uh, what needs to be managed or weeded or uh you know what is it that they would look to accomplish in their lives and are they planting the right seeds for that so um it, it the correlation between what you do about creating soil and that's the place where it all begins that's the incubator and and my mother was a great incubator she was uh, a terrific entrepreneur and um, she was a model and she was a health and beauty expert and she would take people and help them incubate them so to speak into their particular path uh, just the way they were she did not she was not a proponent of changing a look but embracing the look that you had and being as beautiful as that look was you know so so she wasn't the stereotypical model that was looking for you to be, you know, this high and this much weight and all that. She would, of course, give guidance on your good health, but uh, she wasn't about changing your look, but embracing it. Um, so looking at the individual and looking at the potential of, you know, what they can create and what they can be prolific about is the same about your soil. You look at the soil and the composition of the soil. And you want to make it as healthy as possible. So anything that you plant there can be prolific. It can grow. And, um, and then the whole business of a sense of prosperity. Now, prosperity is uh, it's pretty dynamic in as much as you know, a person can feel very wealthy, not necessarily have the bank account to prove it, but they could feel very wealthy and be a very generous expression. In their world, with other people, and so on, and then there are people with, you know, millions and millions of dollars and lots of uh, resources available to them, and they don't feel prosperous, and so their expression in the world is not necessarily generous. So, it's that place that I mostly do my work in. Is how do you interpret and how do you extrapolate? Uh, your wealth and your sense of well-being so that you can be a fully productive, generous person, you know, and, uh, and that's the soil, you know, so we, when we look at the content of the soil, it's kind of like how I look at people and how do they, um, you know, manage to understand how they're composed. And what need and what needs to shift, Right. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of their perception. You know, so they may be like, you know, with my mom and models, sometimes a model would come to her and look for guidance and they would feel badly about themselves because they weren't a certain height or weren't a certain weight or, you know, they, they had a space between their teeth. Thank you, Laura Hutton. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the, the things that would give people permission to dismiss themselves or devalue themselves. You look again, and the lesson there, which I love, is the lesson of the dandelion. You know, there are people for a very long time who looked at this prolific little plant and said it was a weed, Mm -hmm. you know, and and didn't think anything else of it except for that it needed to be exterminated, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know. But then when people
1: rethought it, they said, oh, my God. And boy, you know, if you've ever had a nice frying pan filled with dandelion greens with some oil and vinegar and salt and pepper, you'll realize that um, it's really delicious and so nutritious. And it's also a part of one of the biodynamic preparations. We gather the dandelion flowers. So there are many different energies within that small plant. I agree. I I, I think it's very interesting um, how you can connect uh, both of our work, because you know, when I look at the populace, and now I've been traveling up and down the East Coast, you know, talking to people about farming their yards, about growing food, and I see that people are, they don't have the skill sets, and They have fear of failure, and that is a mindset. Yeah. You know, so to flip that around, how many different areas in our life uh, would be affected by, uh, you know, observing our thoughts and and only focusing on the thoughts that lead us in the area that we want to go?
0: Exactly. It's kind of like, until you know what you embody, what you have, the powers that you you possess, uh, you take your own personal inventory, you have no idea what you're capable of. And so, um, in this this kind of uh, discipline, there's a way to, there's a key to understanding who we are and being better stewards of the planet also. Um, And to take a look at What is the dynamic of life? It's, you know, we talk about human beings and the human experience as a mind, body, and spirit experience. Right. So if you look at uh, the world that way, the uh, body would be the earth, Mm -hmm. okay? The physical earth is the body, Mm -hmm. and the mind is, you know, the, the prolific opinion, Mm-hmm. of the culture the people mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and then this the spirit is this higher aspect of who we are this higher energy and in a human being in a person um uh, the the body the, their physical body is the the body the mind is their mind and the body the conversation or the mission i should say of the body and the mission of the earth is to survive and thrive so physically the world and human beings as, as a physical expression, their number one mission is to survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so that's going to be the internal conversation. Any, any internal dialogue that you hear about, uh, you know, I, I feel like I have to have, Mm -hmm. or I need to have those emphatic conversations, are generated from our body consciousness. There are some people that you cannot talk to unless they've had breakfast or coffee, Mm -hmm. you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm one of those people. I am too. Yeah. So, so, you know, you have to honor the body. So, so you want to say, okay, I understand that I have a particular need right now, or I'm fearful right now for my survival. So I need to manage and take care of that. I need to, to put a focus on, you know, there's an oil spill, we need to have a focus on cleaning that up. The earth has a mission to survive. You know, so so we need to listen to the physical dialogue. We also need to listen to and understand the mind. Oh don't we
1: don't we, Barbara? Dear God have mercy.
0: Yeah, so so the mind is where opinion resides. So any opinion you have, like any time you say, Oh, I think such and such, or I know. I know it's that way. Well, that's your mind chiming in. And and sometimes you're right, and but sometimes you're not. But the job of your mind is to be right. So, it, you know, no matter what, you're going to want to look for proof that you're right. So you'll come up with an assumption and you'll say, I know it's this way. And then you'll look for proof. You know, and that's how we do the scientific process, which is a wonderful process. It's very exciting. You know, the mind is a wonderful thing, (laughs) you know, but, and I appreciate all the different cultural aspects that give different perspective to things like, you know, what is weed and what is food? There are cultures that knew long ago that a dandelion was food and nutritious and so on when we were calling it a weed, you know, so, so we can learn from each other, but we have to take a look and see. Like, what are the thoughts that we have that are holding us back? What are the thoughts that we have that we want to give more, you know, um, credibility to? You know, if we believe something that could really make a difference in our lives, but we keep putting it on a back burner and not acting on it, you know, for fear that, you know, people will will not agree with us Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, holds us back we might want to give more power to that and say, you know what, maybe this is my mission in life is to pursue this particular thing, you know, and I need to have the courage to go after it, you know, like the courage that you have with your whole, uh, you know, evolution, the farm a yard, which is brilliant. I think it's a brilliant process. Um, you know, but then we get to the spirit aspect of a human being and and the expression, you know, that it's kind Mm -hmm. of the area where it's, hard to explain but it's on a higher level so the way I, I ask people to look at their how we are constituted as mind body and spirit is to look at it as an example like uh the isosceles triangle and the isosceles triangle is uh is taller than it is brought on the base so it looks like a pine tree right right in its shape and and if you were to label the lower left-hand corner as the mind, um, and then the lower right-hand corner as the body, and the top of this pinnacle as the spirit. Then, in the realm of the spirit, that's our highest vantage point, and from there, we our view is unencumbered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can <laughs> see we can see further. When we're in the space of a spiritual consciousness, that's the area where we are most loving, most compassionate, most understanding. We see past our differences, past our physical concerns, and we think about others. That's the area where we commune with each other and we see possibilities. And so, you know, but we can't be in that that consciousness If our body is hurting or in danger, or if our opinion is screaming at the top of its lungs at us. So we have to pay attention to the mind and the body in order to to reside in this more spiritual consciousness and be able to have a greater relatedness with ourselves and with the world. And from that area, you know, amazing things are possible.
1: And And I'll tell you that in the realm of, uh, of growing food that really puts you in that space pretty quickly mm, you're really yeah. able to get into that realm in, in a very very like easy way and you know I read something today that was so uh, so very it, I took it right into my heart it was an article that was just published by the Guardian and um, the suicide rate for farmers in our country yeah. is five times that of the veterans. Now we're talking about commodity farmers, you know, growing corn and soy and and you know if there was only a way that you know it, that that these these individuals can be reached because the spirit, the mind, has an and the mind have an awful lot to do with the outcome. I mean, I've seen that in my life, you know that I've known very little bit about certain things, and I was able to manifest just through the power of my thoughts, like inventing a five gallon pasteurization machine. Now, I know nothing about building in steel or pasteurization. But I bought a pot, and in my mind, I focused on that pot and told that pot for two weeks that it was going to be a pasteurization machine when it grew up. <laughs> Honest to goodness, Barbara George, in the late <laughs> 80s, really. And what came out of that? It didn't magically, like a Disney movie, you know, convert into a pasteurization machine, but the doors opened for it to become what it needed to be. And it needed to be a pasteurization machine because I was getting five gallons of milk every day and I needed to convert it into cheese. So thought is so, so very much... in, yeah. our, in our everyday life and I know that when people think about farming right they don't think of anything that's filled with joy and pleasure and you know they think about hard work you know yeah long well, hours hard work yeah if if we look at like the transition
0: of how we arrived where we are today and our understanding we're we're turning the corner you know because we're we're buying you know there's a movement to buy locally and buy organic but how did we get here you know if we look back over this arc so you know we were an agricultural nation and you know it was brilliant we had beautiful farms and we had fabulous food and we were wealthy and and all was well and the family farm was inherited by the kids, and they took it on, and it just kept going. And it wasn't looked at in any other way than um, the the gym that it was. You know, yeah, it was hard work, but the results were, by the way, you can't live without food.
1: Really? And that's still, I mean, that goes true today. I mean, it really yeah, is. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly.
1: And it depends on what you're putting in, the quality
0: of the food that you're putting in as to what you can expect out of yourself with, re- with regard to your health, your well-being and so on. And if you look at the diabetes rates and all the other indicators of how healthy or unhealthy we are, you know, it's important for us to look and take an inventory and say, you know, with our brilliant minds, something is amiss here. And the way it happened was, you know, we kind of fall in love with stuff. And, uh, you know, it becomes, uh, you know, kind of like in fashion, it's in fashion or it's out of fashion. Right. So, um, you know, here's the thing we're going from agriculture and all of a sudden we start to get smart and technology starts to get into the spotlight, you know, and it's no longer horse drawn carriages. It's, you know, combustion engines and we're getting smarter with, you know, all of a sudden we invent the computer and. You know, and that, you know, becomes smaller and smaller. You have these rooms filled with these machines that now are comprised on a chip, the size of a chip. So we fall in love with the technology, which is exciting. But along the way, you know, we went from farming and farmlands that were abundant to industrial farming and insisting that the productivity of the farmer, you know, be you know, enormous, which gave lead to, you know, Monsanto and pesticides and, you know, developing seed that was pest resistant. So in the process of, you know, embracing technology, we lost our love affair with growing things, you know, and the miracle that that is. And when we're in touch with the miracle of life, you know, when, when, you know, you have Kids, and this is another reason we go back to you know teaching young people, you know, or exposing them to the process of gardening and farming because it is a miracle, you know. And again, we can't live without food, and we need to be good stewards of the planet and take care of it um, and harvest, you know, good crops. So um, when children are living in the city in the urban areas and they don't understand the value of the environment, then their decisions are based on that. If what they value is just the environment that they're living in and the technology, then they don't necessarily care, nor do they find it um, of concern or that it's missing in their lives until they have their first little garden. Like even if it's on a windowsill Mm -hmm. and they Mm -hmm. plant some seed, And all of a sudden the miracle comes up and there's like this bond, this emotional bond that happens with their little baby in the window. You know, it's like all of a sudden their relationship to the planet changes and they become more responsible stewards of the planet and they make better decisions. They're healthier people. They're better in balance. So for me, you know, as a coach, Uh, I think it's critically important. And and in the corporate offices that I counsel them, I tell them, keep it green, you know, have green in your lobbies, have green in your offices, you know, real green. Um, I used to work with the Rouse Company and the Rouse Company, you know, they were famous for regentrifying an area of an urban area specifically, most often uh, through a marketplace, a festival marketplace and one of the rules with Jim Rouse is that it was always uh, a real plant. There were never any fake plants. There was all the interior landscaping was real. He was the first one to do skylights, you know, to bring in the sunlight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because he appreciated that and wanted to share that, not just have it be concrete and steel. Um, but, That's the kind of thing. Like, if we continued to take a look at where this arc is bringing us now, we're coming back to the organic market and buying locally and supporting our farmers and making the tough decision to use real seed and not these, you know, the seed that's pest resistant necessarily. There are ways to handle the crops without shortcutting it. And cutting off our noses, like the French discovered when they found that the GMO cornfields were killing off, or they suspected they were, they were killing off the bees. Because what was happening is they couldn't find a bee within three miles of their corn crops, these GMO corn crops. And when they studied it, they found that the bee, their mechanism of navigation, was disrupted from this pesticide it would get into their systems and wreak havoc and uh and here's this you know little you know character this wonderful powerhouse that's responsible for every third bite that we eat and they were dying off in droves you know 80 percent right
1: well you know really it's it's um it's been very catastrophic insofar as Monsanto came on the scene in 1977. uh, And also, insofar as that is concerned, we have gone from growing vegetables to growing animal protein. I mean, we're growing massive amounts of feed for poultry and, and beef.
0: I, excuse me a second. I, you know, when you when you say growing uh, animal protein, you know, some people would hear that like, well, I, I I'm a, a carnivore, and not think that that's that's odd. No, no, no. The odd, the odd part about it is the, the mechanism by which we're you know creating these uh, these new sources of food, and what does the body do with that? The body doesn't understand it. So people need to understand how the digestive system works. And that when the body doesn't understand a particular nutrient that's, uh, you know, deposited, oftentimes, where does it go? Into our fat storage. So that, you know, the body will think about it and go, well, we'll, we'll figure this out later because this isn't the normal food that we eat. So, you know, the, there's a reason why, you know, the waistlines are getting, you know, bigger uh, because our food is not such a good food it's not such a good source of food and uh and the body doesn't understand it so you know it alters what we're eating so we have to my my request is that everybody stop and think just because it's convenient you know just because the technology works faster is that healthier for me or is it healthier for me to have eye contact with the people that i'm communicating with to deliver a hug, instead of you know the icon of a hug, you know it's I I don't want us to lose
1: the most valuable thing that we have, and that's each other. Most definitely, and and we've gotten we've gotten uh, very far away from that, and we have to uh, we have to pull it back together because that's really what it's about. It's about yeah. collaborative cooperation, and. Yeah. It's about us writing the new story. Exactly, we are writing the new story, and how exciting is that? I yeah. mean, we—I don't have to be categorized in the new story as growing a specialty crop when I'm growing broccoli, <laughs> <laughs> because vegetable farmers—that's how we're categorized as right. growing specialty crops. You know, the shift is, the shift is taking place. Boy, Barbara, we're going to have to have another session. Uh, We're going to have to get you on again because you are just such a wealth of information. And, um, and it's so interesting how we're able to, we've seen all starts in the mind with the thought, you know, if you say you can, you can. Yeah. And that is why. We are going to farm yards. We're going to come. We're going to encourage 40 and a half million acres of turf grass to grow food. Number one, because we can. That's number one. (laughs) We can do this. Yes. And that's really what I want everyone to know. We can do this together. We can do this. And secondly, because we must. It is now a necessity, and it's a necessity on many levels. Like you had said, put a little seed in a pot on a windowsill; you'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. It's difficult sometimes to put that to words, you know, but it's definitely a transformation. Well, I've got to thank you so much, my dear. It's been my my complete
0: pleasure, and if anybody wants to look at, uh, you know, the Global Garden site. Uh, that's Global Garden Foundation and it's global Gardens with an S foundation.org. And we have a little article in there on, uh, breadfruit and what a miracle that little plant is. And, uh, anyway, uh, it's just been my, uh, my total joy to be with you.
1: And I am <laughs> a huge fan, Linda Borghi. I, I know it, you are, Barbara too. George. You're <laughs> like, you're my- amazing. You're like my cheerleader, you know, Mm -hmm. and being my coach has really benefited me so much. So, so folks watch out because she's coaching me. So if you have some grass (laughs) around your house and you see a woman with a cowboy hat on, pull up, (laughs) give you a card with a seat on it. You know, you're in trouble, right? Right from the get go, right from the get go. Well, thanks again, my dear. I will talk to you soon. Thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate, uh, uh, every single person that has downloaded this podcast. I want to have special thanks for our Patreon supporters. Without you guys. You know, the car needs gas. So you have really supported us tremendously. And we thank you so much for that. Uh, please uh, get on our email list, farmyard.com. We have a lovely uh, f- free ebook for you that will get you started on the movement. And I will see you on the flip side. And until then, go farm your yard. Next on the Farmyard Podcast,
0: The Wellness Garden, with host Linda Borgi and guest Shauna Coronado. This podcast is community-supported. We thank everyone for tuning in, and a special thank you goes out to all our Patreon supporters. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe and share. You can help support us through Farmyard, all one word, on patreon.com.